0: In the delightful tome, The Little Book of Craft Beer, writer Melissa Cole describes Dougal's fresh beer founder, Andrew Dougal, as an expat properly living the dream. Having landed just south of Santander in the north of Spain in the mid-1990s, Andrew soon set about attempting to plug the ale-shaped hole in his life by creating something a little more akin to the UK beers, of which he was so fond. I thought the fact that he co-runs a successful brewery in that part of the world would be more than enough on which to base an interesting conversation, but I was amazed when he told me that last year, the brewery broke all national and European crowdfunding records by raising 1.25 million euros in around six hours. I spoke to Andrew recently to hear his story firsthand. Funnily enough, we were both exiled to loft rooms in our houses, he and Cantabria, me and Cardiff, on a day when both locations saw rain for the first time in weeks. Now, removing the sound of that rain renders the audio somewhat metallic sounding, so I decided to keep it in as I thought it sounded rather nice. I hope you like it too and that you enjoy the interview. just want to ask you first, Andrew, about that quote uh, in that, that lovely book by Melissa Cole. Uh, are you an expat and are you indeed living, living the
1: dream? Uh, I don't know, drinking the dream, um, I suppose. I'm an expat. The longer I'm away... I suppose the more kind of British I become, especially with like looking back and seeing what's going on, you kind of become more, and not just that, I mean, there is the Radio 4 element, there is the cup of tea in the morning, and you have to make your own marmalade, but we're in Spain, so Seville oranges are okay. But never X, I don't think, um, I never really feel like Spanish Spanish, the time year when, when you feel most or least kind of part of it is things like Christmas or other, other kind of like fiestas, which you're not really part of, you know for the girls it's different i suppose because they they're all born here but they're french english spanish i suppose in that order
0: ah so you married a french lady and and lived out there first
1: yeah no i haven't quite got round to getting married yet because like you know time time is tight it's only been 25 years so um and and the other things came in the way but we but we don't wanna rush in but we might i mean it looks like it might be on the cards for this year yeah so
0: <laughs> oh well that well that's nice so um yeah you you, you haven't rushed in at least so um you know I think both of you go in uh, with your eyes wide open on on this one. So so anyway, just thinking about Cantabria uh, and the north of Spain, uh, I have a little bit of knowledge. We had a holiday there about seven years ago, really uh, enjoyable. It's not a place that everybody would identify with being particularly Spanish if if they were parachuted in there without knowledge of of where they were going to land. You know, it's um, maybe more for the walkers and hikers uh, and perhaps the surfers. Yeah, when you think of the coast uh, on the north. So what took you there originally then?
1: Well, the, well, Sophie was actually working here, so she was working in, in, in Santander. I had a publishing business which was kind of quite niche and, and dealt with ports and the transport industry. She worked for the port of Santander, and we, and that's how we met. Uh, and at the time, I could, I, I could sort of, with a, with a laptop, I could more or less work anywhere. So and this is, it's really nice here. I mean, people ask me, and a bit, and I'm looking out the window at it now, and it's just started raining, and it's Green Hills. It's a bit more like, I don't know, Scotland with more garlic. You know, I mean, where, where where we are, it's 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 mountainous, green, lush. The coast is probably like Cornwall in a lot of ways. Big, long, sandy beaches, rocky. It's a, it's a great place. Food's great. People are good.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So 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 you settled there then in the, in really nice nice part of the world. Tell tell me for a second though, that publishing business. What was that about exactly?
1: Yeah, well, that's what I keep saying. What was that about? Um, I worked for a company in in London, and then they they kind of sold out. And and I was sort of out on my bum basically. So I I carried on doing the same thing. I signed a nice lawyer's disclaimer saying that I wouldn't, and showed it to another lawyer, and he said, yeah, take the money for what it is, and and carry on doing what you're doing. And my clients were in Spain. I speak Spanish. I I, I learned Spanish from when I was about 11. Um, so I speak Spanish and French. And this was just like a. It was the place I was for. I was 40 then, I suppose and that was kind of it, I traveled a lot, and, and this was just a place to be. And the publishing thing, that worked, it worked for a while, and then I, I came here in 97, so around 2000, things started to kind of go digital, I suppose, uh, people started asking me for odd, odd things like CDs, and um, we seem a bit old now, but it was kind of, you know, bit, it was cutting edge then. So CDs and then DVDs and I just couldn't. I was paper and I couldn't. I couldn't make the the transition. And at the same time, I was I'd started homebrewing, which I'd done more or less since I, I got here because I, the beer wasn't quite as as interesting as I as I'd like. So I I think on one of the trips back home, going to Boots or somewhere and buying a, a home brew kit. It's bizarre because like the UK, you buy your home brew stuff in the in the in the chemist as if it was like sort of first aid or something. You know, it's, it's, they don't do it now. Chemists don't. They don't tend to, they don't tend to stock it. But then they did. Like Boots was a big homebrew thing, and it tasted like beer. Funnily enough, and it was Woodford's Wherry Actually, was the first beer that I brewed, and it was it was. It, I said it myself, it tasted all right. And then I just carried on, and then I got I got more interested in it. So I was doing that, and then I realised there hadn't actually been a a brewery for since the seventies here. So I just thought I'll start a brewery, and that was how it all began. Really.
0: Wow. Okay. That's a big big decision. So. You said there was no brewery in the region, Uh, and I think I just realised as you're talking, I don't think I saw any local brew then when I was there. Um, I think it was all the usual sort of Estrella, San Miguel, Estrella, Galicia and the like. So what happened to the local brew in Cantabria?
1: Well, the 70s saw the the close of of the brewery, which was called Blanca, which then became Skoll, which was part of god knows i can't remember you know sort of wheels within wheels and then they closed it down it was a city center site really nice building and they they demolished that and built some pretty average flats so that was it so there'd been no beer in cantabria and 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 really there were six breweries in the whole country six seven breweries which you know i mean most people that have been on holiday here will will recognize but that was it and then you could get you could get imports you could get german i don't know you could get german German beers or Belgian beers were, you know, were, were the alternative, which, which I personally don't, I don't like that much. So home was, was, was the way out really.
0: Right. Yeah. In one of the um, emails that, that we exchanged uh, before when we were setting this up, you said you got to Spain, but there was no beer. Uh, but I mean, there, there is beer in Spain, isn't there? And there's plenty of it, but it's a certain kind of beer. Yeah. It's, it's pretty uh, samey, I'd say um, pretty sort of macro Euro lagers all round. Would that, would that be right?
1: Yeah yeah exactly that standard it's not it's not bad I mean quality wise it's it's always going to be there but it is it is a bit flat line as far as kind of interest is concerned
0: yeah I remember being in Valencia some years ago doing doing a job I had to to, to run courses uh, and speak to a lot of people in the day so I was sort of doing two pint evenings and, and going for long walks um, but I remember the first night absolutely boiling I got a bit lost and I found a just a regular bar with a TV in the corner and, you know, a couple of people sitting in and outside it. And uh, behind the glass case on, on the bar, I saw a, a couple of bottles that weren't chilled. It was kind of saying this is what we've got. If you fancy a bottle of beer, and one of them was a, a, a Grimbergen uh, Belgian double. And I just thought I just wouldn't want that in this weather, you know. So I had something like an Estrella or, uh, you know, Mao or something like I can't remember what it was, but it it just bit the head off my thirster and it's exactly what i wanted so i was thinking it had you been in a in a hotter place do you, do you think you might have not gone into becoming a brewery maybe it's the wrong question i don't know it did is that a factor i mean cantabria is colder in the winter um, did that make any difference mm,
1: no i mean i, I like, no i mean, I'll drink, I'll drink a mao in madrid in the in the summer and in one of these like zinc top bars with tapas and and stuff and the beer does go; it goes down well. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt. There's not the breadth of choice. There's not. Um, there wasn't anyway until until fairly recently. We brew a Pilson style, um, but it does have more ingredients or more of the same ingredients. So uh, there's more taste and there's more there's more depth and um, and you know, a bit more of everything. Really, that's the idea.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. So anyway, I took you off on a on a tangent. Sorry. So you make home brew and it tastes good, and uh, so you decide to start your own brewery. So, what was the next big leap that you took that, that took you to the next stage? Then
1: I bought. I, I, I went with with my my best mate Mike on a trip back home, and we bought the old Pembroke Brewery, right? In uh, we like we like crossed, crossed over into Wales and, and brought this uh, thing back, which was like a, a reconditioned like from the days like when the, these Grundy tanks. Which were like a popular thing, so it was a, it was a it was like all built from reconditioned Grundy tanks, a two two and a half barrel brewery, and I brought that back here, got it shipped here, uh, thinking that I could just start and um, get it all going in about three months, and it actually took uh, probably about four years. <laughs> so, so 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 yeah, I was gonna, I was going to start it on a, I thought I'd just to have like a, like a little little brewery pizza. Maybe a, that bit of grilled stuff, and, and we've got a, we've got a barn here, an old kind of like tumble down thing, and I thought I'd do it there, but the, and I, I put a kilometer of water to it, and, and it just no, I couldn't get I couldn't get the permits for it, so no one knew what I was doing. I most of all me, I didn't know what I was doing, which was kind of the worst thing, but the local administration hadn't seen a brewery for like as for getting on forty years, so so they thought I was going to build like a monster factory. So, so that, like the concept of micro wasn't, wasn't, you know, kind of current. So it actually got brewing kind of legally in, in around 2006, which makes the brewery kind of one of the oldest uh, established in, of the new wave of breweries in, in Spain.
0: You mentioned the, the fact that you tried the pizzeria and the, the tap room and so forth uh, in one of the emails that, that we, you know, we swapped before. And you said, oh, you know, it went wrong. We, we we don't talk about that anymore. It's in the past and we're over it. But I was wondering, was that a big kick in the teeth at the time? And, and also, um, was it a case, I wanted to ask, of that, that classic sort of Spanish bureaucracy uh, getting in the way? Anybody who's lived in Spain um, will, will know exactly what I mean by that.
1: Um the actual the real problem turned out wasn't actually the permits the real problem was there was no market i was producing something that people just didn't understand you know they were used to that beer that Kanya, that cerveza the you know that you see on the on every bar and it's and it's it's got to be cold uh, it's got to be like frighteningly cold and it's got to have a nice compact head, of, head on it otherwise that's it and in fact that is what marks a good beer it's cold and it's got it's got a head and very little else if you're if you're serving beer at kind of minus 2.5 degrees there's not a lot of taste there anyway so the kind of styles that I brought out first of all appealed to some people but very few and I couldn't get it into a bar I couldn't get it into a bar on draft uh, because everyone most bars are kind of tied into some kind of contract so, so I ended up, like, selling in, in markets, which is kind of good and bad. I mean, you, at least you sell something, but you, you're, you're direct, uh, like, face-to-face with, with your end consumer, who either goes, oh, that's disgusting, or old guys that, that were probably, I don't know, 60 years old, would say, God, that reminds me of when I was a, l- a little kid and my father would, like, dip churros in in his beer and, and and I'd taste these this bitter taste you know which cuz that was it I was making hoppy beers which some of which were were kind of bitter probably over bitter and probably too alcoholic probably too dark as well for the, for the the local taste it was all designed to please me you yeah, know I hadn't thought about the sales side of it at all so
0: it's interesting, isn't it, that people say if you if you're passionate about uh, something, then you can take people with you on that journey, and you can you know get them to see your way of thinking, get them to buy into your passion and, and, and commitment to to what you're you're producing. Is that what happened in the end? I take it there was some refinements, you know, to the to the beer that you were making that was ongoing anyway. But is that what worked for
1: you in the end? It kind of it kind of did, I suppose. I mean, I don't know. Someone asked me along to do a, a chat for sort of young entrepreneurs as if I was an example <laughs> and at the end they were asking questions we were, we were all in the, in the funnily enough in the kind of drinks business and everyone was saying oh well, you need a business plan and you need finance and stuff and you need this and it got to me and I thought well they've, aren't, they've said all that and, and really what got us through was ignorance really ignorance was like key because if we'd known what we were doing um, if we'd known how much money we were going to lose like at least at the start we'd never have done it so, so ignorance was kind of key. Ignorance gets you anywhere, really, into all sorts of trouble. Benign ignorance.
0: <laughs> wow, okay, okay. Well, that's funny because I haven't heard that said in exactly the same way using those exact same words. But there, there is a truth there that's definitely worth passing on, isn't there? And it's one that I, I do recognize myself and one that I found myself um, realizing, hmm. you know, for good and sometimes for, for ill. That, you know, if you'd known what was ahead, you wouldn't have bothered going for it uh hindsight's a wonderful thing but but that that what you describe um can really pay off and it can serve us very very well so i'm just thinking now what else was important to your success that you look back on now and you think that that this was key to us moving forward
1: it kind of and basically it's not something you can't do this on your own that's the that's the other kind of key thing you need a bit of balance and you need a bit of you need a bit of yin, yin yang and you need a bit of uh yeah, you, know, you need you need someone to lean on, and, and basically that happened like fortunately for me about two years in when I, when I met Kike, who's I call him Henry, makes me feel a bit less homesick. Um, but he's uh, Enrique, Kike, Henry, and he's a clever guy. He's kind of younger than me. He was he he came from the media as well. He was he's in uh, TV production, but he wanted to get involved in this, so he, was, he came to me to kind of learn what I could show him, which was fairly limited. And then after after a while we we just kind of thought, well, we just he, he decided not to go ahead with his project and we just and we kind of fused fused into one. Yeah, yeah, he came along he came along with the idea of um learning how to brew and, and whatever. So we'd start we're more like friends than partners and then we became we became partners in in this. But we didn't make any money, uh we didn't make any money for about eight years. And we we like from two thousand and six to to fourteen. We were just kind of like leeching cash. Yeah, we had an accountant that told us like Sunday was the best day for the brewery because it was the only day we were closed. The only day we didn't we didn't pull a pint because every pint was a loss. So, so, so that was good fun. So we got rid of him because no, I mean we paid him by it was paid by the hour, and he, and he spoke very slowly and gesticulated longly, and it just we just, just swept sit and sweat like two kids in the headmaster's study, and it was just awful. So we came out one day and I said, he's got, he's got to go, you know, he's earning more than us. So we we, we got rid of him and then just blindly, ignorantly carried on.
0: Well, I suddenly feel quite good about the fact I can't afford an accountant. So, so there we go. Um, yeah, I, I never needed one, obviously. Um, but by the way, at that point in time, uh, you describe, that was your living by then. Yeah. So that was, that was it basically.
1: Yeah. By that time, 2010, that was kind of it. Cause I'd, yeah, I'd sold the flat in Forest Hill, bought this kind of heap of stones here, which were still kind of renovating. Uh, in inverted commas, the publishing thing had kind of gone, and that was it. Right.
0: So, so you're eight years running at a loss by this stage. So, so what happens next? Because you're not running at a loss for too much longer, I take it.
1: No, we we stabilised. We stabilised the boat probably 2014 or something. So, like we we've been we've been like six years, like growing steadily, always kind of within a nationally. Uh, so we 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 didn't kind of focus on the export market, and we focused really on on quality, not on doing kind of like any in Spain we're, we we've got the kind of the label of being a kind of uh, quite staid and quite quite sort of conservative but consistent. So you like you like you know where you stand sort of thing. And we and we drink these beers and and so the team and the team has grown kind of steadily because uh, I, I said before I mean this is not something you. This is not something you want to do, first of all. But it's not something you want to do on your own. We've got ten on the team now. Um, they're young guys and girls, but also qualified. So we've got we've got a microbiologist, we've got a biotechnologist, and you need all that at this level. You need to know what's going on, and you need to know what you're putting in that bottle, or in that can, or in that or in that keg. You know, and it, and it can't just be uh, we think it's okay. You know, it tastes all right. It, you know it's got to be right, so those kind of improvements and reinvesting everything in into better equipment uh, more advanced equipment that it's it's we we've, we've taken that route basically, so we still drive like rubbish cars <laughs> and, and our only our only items of clothing've got i 've got the company name on them, according to my daughter's you know so you look like Bart Simpson you 've got the same clothes on all the time so but Anyway.
0: well that's nice Well, that's a hell of a comparison so you know if you're going to be compared to anybody but uh yeah so 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 from stabilization which must have taken some of the pressure off onwards to better things how, how was that realized exactly
1: with us the turning point was was just hit, hitting a certain volume and that excel sheet just kind of lies so it would tell us it was always too optimistic so so we would we would think well hang on we're doing what it said and now we're still not doing this we didn't start, we didn't level out until we hit 200,000 litres. And we just kept buying, buying more capacity, buying another fermenter, another fermenter until we until we kind of hit, hit that. Because then the market was growing. If we'd started in the UK in 2006, God knows where we'd be now, seriously. But we had to make the market here kind of like drinker by drinker. We had to, so we've, we've travelled the country like length and breadth. And it really is, it's, it's like bar by bar. We've, we've kind of taken the territory really. I mean, that takes, that takes its toll, but it puts you in a, in a in very direct contact with a hell of a lot of people. Like we know so many people now, and they know us. There's a very strong like, bond with our, our public, if you like. And they're very loyal. Um, like we've seen that with the lockdown. Our website sales just kind of just went through the roof and people buying beer for five or six friends to introduce them to it while they're locked yeah as we put this note in saying you know this will help you get through so that's been really encouraging it's been good
0: well that must have provided some some comfort for you as, as a company and well your customers and your customers friends and um, yeah I think you know drinking uh, certainly has gone up I think um you know i I think being able to get hold of <laughs> drink you know beer and wine um, yeah we don't want to overdo it but it's been a bit of a comfort hasn't it throughout the uh, these, these difficult times. As they're described,
1: yeah. Well, we, rightly or wrongly, we we were classed we were classed as an essential industry. So the beer lobby is fairly strong in Spain. Um, so so, uh,
0: well, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and uh, for for most of us, I'd, I'd say that's a, that's a pretty good thing. I was going to ask, actually, where where do you sell most of your your beer? Are you on top of the bars? Are you in supermarkets? Or what what's the?
1: No, it's sales are ninety percent like pubs and bars, ninety percent. So once, so once that shut down in, in April, that was like, you know, body blow. And then, and then locally we sell, we sell in a couple of local supermarket chains, but just just in Cantabria we haven't gone for the kind of like punting it out to, to national chains because we prefer the beer to be fresh and we prefer it to get to you fresh. So if it's stuck on a supermarket shelf, that kind of rotation problem is, is kind of there. And, and if it gets stuck, any fresh product really... Yeah, it's going to deteriorate. And our volume is still relatively small, so we move it locally when we can. Cantabria now is our biggest client overall, and then and then we sell beer into Madrid, Barcelona, the rest of Spain, Andalucia as well.
0: All right, okay. So, you, so you've got quite a reach there, then, haven't you? Mainly in Cantabria, but you do have have got around around the country, certainly. So, so right, so. At some stage, you decide you want to raise some equity and take things forward. What, what takes you to that decision and, and, and how did you go about it?
1: So we got to the stage where, where the bank, the bank's actually like us now, which is kind of quite a strange position. Because at, at the same time as we had, like our accountant was telling us how, how deadly we were. Around then, I, went, I remember going to the bank. I went to the local bank here, which has now been absorbed anyway and, do, and doesn't even exist. And I went to see them. I, I gave them a, a kind of 15-minute exposition of, of the project and, um, and sat there and he, and, and he kind of sat there and absorbed it all. And he said to me at the end, I said, so, you know, we, so we need to expand and we need to, and he looked at me like dead straight and, and said, what you've got there, Andrew, what you've got is a, is a finance problem. And I kind of like looked around me thinking, well, yeah, this isn't kind of like the fish shop. This is the bank. And then he went on for like another, for five minutes and explained why he wasn't going to give me the money. So we've kind of had a thing with the bank, but now they like us. And when it came time to, to, to refinance, like last year we looked at, or at the end of the year before, we were looking at, at how we like push the project on and if we really want to, or, or if we stay where we are or whatever. And we, went, we thought, okay, we can do this. We'll, we'll crowdfund it. We spent a few months, we do a lot of brewery visits, uh, which we kind of like enjoy doing and we get 30, 40 people in the brewery every weekend when we're not traveling. And we just kind of punted the idea around to people and people and we found people were coming back to us and saying, oh, well, if you do it, you know, we we said we're going to buy the field next door and we're going to, we're going to expand the brewery, we'll, we'll have a little gastro side of it, you know, just like a restaurant and things. And people were coming back saying, well, when you do it, let us know. So we gradually built up a, a bit of a, a list of people and the whole crowd, we, you have to do it through a platform because of like money laundering and tax and all the rest. So we, we chose a platform, but then we didn't do that kind of like, you know, speed up video of us, you know, being kind of cool in the brewery and all that stuff that people do. And we just kind of thought, well, wow. we just sent out three emails and just crossed our fingers and the first one we sent to a, to just a, a database of people we had that we built up clients uh, like bars, distributors uh, and people that drink the beer and within uh, 48 hours we had people saying yeah we'd, we'd like to put in something like a million and a half euros um, but that was just like a paper promise so and people wanted to put in fifty thousand, and we thought we don't really want those people. So we brought the ceiling down to fifteen, and the, like the floor at a thousand. And we just launched it basically in an hour and a half. Yeah, an hour, I think it was an hour and a bit. The million came in, and in six hours it was it was one point two five. Yeah, one point two five million euro in six hours, which is a a record in Spain in time and and amount basically. It's and it's equity equity crowdfunding, so they get they get four percent return on their investment, and then they can sell they can sell their share, uh, they can get out as well, and that's kind of that's kind of the idea. Then the usual kind of discounts and everything else, but there's that, but it's four percent, which is kind of better than the bank really, at the moment.
0: Oh, God blimey. Yeah. me, it must, must have been absolutely uh, amazing to to go through that. Uh, I'm thinking now when when you put the You put the first one together, put that kind of package out to people. Then it came back very positive, paper promises. Some people want to invest too much. So then you put something together that you're really happy with. Was it really nerve wracking the second time thinking, you know, you can see what is possible and you're hoping it'll come through. Was there a part of you thinking that, oh, this might, you know, this might all fall at the the hurdle. You know, it would be worse, wouldn't it? Having seen the potential and for that to be taken away. Was it really nerve wracking going through that?
1: Very. The first demo, which was just a kind of sounding, we, we, we thought, well, you know, probably by the weekend, we might have 30 or 40,000 promised. And it was a million and a half in 48 hours. So when we went to the kind of live version, we, we were pretty sure that we were on firm ground, but no one expected it to be done in an hour. The, the website collapsed. I mean, it was people were just sitting, waiting with their, with their finger on the button. Yeah, and the money came in in an hour, and no one, as far as I know, has, has kind of done that. And now we've got this thing where, we, where we've got, yeah, we've got 400 um, partners, basically. So, so we walk into bars all over Spain and, and we've got people saying hello, hello partner, which is kind of, yeah, it's nice. They get free drinks. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Wow, that, that sounds great. That sounds really, really fantastic to be able to, to meet people in that way and to, 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 to share that experience and that and that connection with them must be fantastic um, back to the money what did that enable you to do exactly
1: right okay so well, first of all it took quite a while to clear so this happened last may but we didn't get the money for months and then you've got to find a bank that actually wants it because banks don't want the money uh, anymore they, they want to charge you for keeping it you don't even get a flat screen telly anymore for put a million in the bank and they you, they, they, you get nothing so like Having done that, we're now at the stage where, where we've got planning consent for the, for the project. And it's basically just going to allow us to be a lot more efficient. We can produce, uh, we will produce more beer. We'll have actually a, a facility where we can get people in and, and, and we like to travel, but it's nice to have people at home as well. So people do come here at, at the brewery and we, we're, apparently we're the best, according to some website, we're the best tap room in Spain, three years running. I mean, it's just like two bits of like wood nailed together, you know that's that's the tap room. so it's pretty basic so last year what we did was with a a mate of ours uh tibor who's a who is a self-styled cook he, he won't let you call him a chef, but we had we we were doing food like on site in the in the field next door to the brewery uh through the summer. so we had about three thousand people through through there, like eating and drinking um your families etc and that worked really well so that's kind of given us the kind of uh, confidence that we can that we can kind of repeat that in a more stable sort of setting the village is a, it's a tourist destination anyway but this is kind of it's a good thing for the village because it attracts people they come to the brewery but then they go to other bars and so it kind of it, it is kind of like a dynamic kind of thing for the village to have and pe- yeah people appreciate it
0: so right okay so right so, so, you, so you're going to uh, stay where you are then not yeah. on the site itself but but somewhere near
1: no it's right next door it's right next door it's 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 the space it's the space next door so it's the kind of like log- it's the logical thing it's you know it's um uh we like we we use what we've got and kind of add like bolt a bit on which is kind of
0: so so you know, to clarify what you're sure. looking to do then brew more beer uh, expand uh, the brewery to build a, a bigger tap room as well do great food Great, uh, sort of altogether bigger, better experience, and then people can come along, enjoy what you you've got got to offer, and then go and enjoy the rest of the village and, and so forth. Yeah. That's it.
1: Yeah, yeah, basically. And from the point of view of, the, of, of like everyone working there, I mean, at the moment it's um, I mean it's like like moving around inside the brewery is I mean, because we all get on and everyone gets on. Otherwise, it would be kind of it would be madness because everything has got wheels on in the brewery. There's no fixed installations. Everything is kind of moved about continuously. And that's just not, it's not viable, really. I mean, we do it, but but we're in such a, a confined space. So it would just allow, it will allow, like, the guys to work a lot easier. I mean, that's that's kind of, like, a big part of it is going to be that, that everyone's going to be a lot more, a lot more comfortable kind of working. And that's better for everyone, Great. basically. I was going to say, you've
0: got to take yeah. a lot of congratulations, really, because Spanish people... They're like Italians and French. They are so big on their food and their drink that to have someone coming in from another country and saying kind of like... I can do better and give you something better than what you have already, and to get them to accept it, I think is a is a big uh, a, a big ask you've you set yourself that challenge, but to achieve it, it's a massive achievement when you say like the you know the food and the beer together, they are very used i think you know this is my Madrid experience which i loved i've never I live it almost constantly, even I live mm-hmm. in cardiff it's that the tapas and the the salty you know, the choritos, the calamares, the, you know, it all, it all goes very well with that bite of a cold pills and particularly in, in in the summer months. So to get Mm. them putting your beers, which are different to their, you know, their, their beers with food, what's the experience being like there? They've adapted to that then and, and, and enjoyed the experience. Yeah.
1: Yeah, totally. No, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, this is, this is a country, I mean, there's great wines, there's great cuisine Mm -hmm. So why can't there be, you know, great beers? It it, it struggled at, at the beginning. There was a lot of uh, basically just a lot of quality problems. There were a lot of con- like contaminated beers going out. Then there were a lot of oxidized beers going out. But not now. There's a lot of very good beers now in Spain, and and a lot of really good beer bars, and a, and a, people know what's going on. So you know, quite a, quite a kind of educated, uh, drinking public, which which you know from ten, I don't know. 12 13 years ago when I got into this is like a ma- it's amazing to see and it's I mean it's it's really welcome so so and that, and that basically that sucks up all our production we don't we don't export anything uh, we're, we're looking to to do something like maybe this year as production expands but at the moment it's it's, it's virtually impossible to find our beers outside of Spain which is good our bottle top says think global drink local with what's going on at the moment, that whole local economy thing is, is getting a bit of a, a boost as well, which is good. And we've got to kind of hope that, not just in beer and stuff, but other industries, and we've got to hope really that, that, that people kind of take that with them as they come out of this. It's all about knowing where your kind of euro or where your, where your pound is going and seeing some kind of direct impact. And if that can happen locally, it's, it's really good.
0: One last question, or two really. Uh, just wondering, what is your favourite drink from your own range, the Dougal's Fresh range of beer, and what is your favourite pint when you come back to the UK?
1: Here, I mean, if you know, if, if we're on the desert island and the ship goes down, all hands saved, hopefully, obviously. But they don't make it to my island, but the beer does, then it would probably be 942. 942, is, for a Spanish beer, it's relatively low alcohol, it's 4.2, which is kind of still high for the UK, but loafer here and it's nice it's balanced it's fresh and it's fruity citrusy it's a, it's a kind of like a anytime beer basically but when i go back i go back to the uk i'll, I'll drink either young's or or fuller's you know it's either going to be a, it's either going to be a pint of pride or just a pint a pint of young's unfortunately then I'll, I'll kind of branch out from there but it's kind of meet up with your mate and down the local and that's what i missed that's what i missed basically
0: okay andrew it's been a real pleasure to talk to you uh, thank you so much for your time and for, for, for sharing your story with me I uh, really appreciate it uh, just like to say all the best uh, to you and your team and your family for, for this time right ahead of us now and um, again thank you very much
1: pleasure thanks a lot Francis
0: that was the wonderful Andrew Dougal thank you Andrew uh, and Andrew was talking to me Francis Jones on the last but one podcast